You're listening to A Light at the Other Side, where we're sharing stories of resilience, healing, and hope. We share the experiences of adoptees, domestic violence survivors, military veterans, and more, so some episodes may contain potentially triggering accounts of trauma. To fully appreciate the light, we must sometimes peer into the dark. On today's episode, we're exploring the daily realities of parenting a transgender teenager in a public high school in a state where his rights and mere existence are the topic of legislation and social commentary. I am not Ruby Bridges' mother. I am Matthew's mother, and I am tired of watching him hurt. I have such an enormous respect for the individuals who have gone before us and put their entire lives on the line for advancements in civil rights. Rosa Parks, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Harvey Milk, Marsha P. Johnson, and Audre Lorde, all adults during the majority of their civil rights work. But Ruby Bridges was a little girl, a scared, targeted six-year-old girl. I admire her tenacity and strength beyond words, and I admire her mother's sacrifice and vision in sending her little girl into the mouths of lions to push forward progress in our nation. I used to say I couldn't imagine what it took, but now I know, and I know I am not Ruby Bridges' mother. I am the mother of a transgender teenager. My son has been repeatedly, physically, verbally, and even sexually assaulted on school property at our local public high school in Virginia. Nothing has been done to stop the behavior and protect my child so he can merely exercise his rights to a free public education in the United States of America. Instead, every day is a struggle, an assault on his person and his dignity, and we are just tired. We have read personal statements in front of the school board. We have met with and communicated with school administrators more times than I can count, only for him to be told that he must, quote, be understanding that kids are curious about the whole trans thing because it's so new. And yes, this was an actual quote by an upper-level administrator at his high school. My son must understand when fellow students attempt to pull down his pants or reach inside his pants to see what he has. He has to take that moment to educate them on transgenderism and the spectrum of human sexuality at 15 years old while trapped inside the stall of a public school bathroom. I am not Ruby Bridges' mother. I cannot send my child into the fire day after day and watch his mental health suffer, his confidence crumble, the effervescence of his personality begin to fade because he is continually harassed and assaulted. I am not Ruby Bridges' mother. I cannot look in the faces of strangers, their faces contorted with rage as they scream about people like my child, as they demand and usually achieve outright segregation and discrimination in schools for transgender kids, all due to their own discomfort and lack of understanding about what it means to be transgender or gay or non-binary or anything outside their white conservative Christian bubble that they personally deem scary or confusing. I cannot witness this and maintain my composure, my dignity, or my peace. I am not Ruby Bridges' mother. I am not that strong. I am not that brave. I am not willing to sacrifice my child for the cause of progress. Ruby struggled with PTSD for many years due to her experiences merely trying to attend school. Like most parents, I don't want my child to struggle with PTSD well into adulthood. 
I want for him to be mentally and psychologically healthy, well-supported, respected, and affirmed. It concerns me that our society demands many women to be some form of Ruby Bridges' mother. When politicians make laws targeted at transgender children, they're forcing mothers of trans kids to be like Ruby Bridges' mother. It forces moms to choose between sending their kids into hostile public school environments or segregating them by resorting to homeschool, virtual school, or private school options, none of which, of course, are paid for as an alternative to the abusive public school environment. None of these rabid legislators, politicians, governors, or media influencers know my child. None of them know that he will sit with his four-year-old sister and hold her as she cries. None of them know that he will stand up for someone else being bullied at school, even putting himself in physical danger to do so. None of them know how he writes poems, essays, and pieces with a depth and wisdom far beyond his years. None of them know that he reads beyond a 12th grade reading level and literally writes book reports for fun. None of them know that he's a great cook and will make dinner for the family when I'm too busy or not feeling well. None of them know him. None of them know the excruciating journey it's been for him to come to live his authentic life. None of them know that when he was living as a girl, he was explosively angry, deeply depressed, and suicidal. None of them know that transitioning has saved his sanity and quite literally his life. None of them know that he's not cutting off body parts, he's not taking hormones, he's transitioning at an appropriate healthy pace with a team of medical professionals to guide us. None of them know the first thing about my trans son or my decisions as a parent with regards to raising him. They know the caricature that's been created by politicians and political forces who have far sinister plans than merely restricting the rights of transgender people they want to restrict all of our rights, so they use people like my child to sacrifice on this political altar poorly masked as some kind of morality. The current attack on transgender children is made all the more disturbing because given the political environment in our nation over recent years, trans kids typically already have existing mental health issues, suicidal ideations, and trauma from being rejected in social, familial, and even medical settings. Being transgender doesn't inherently give these kids mental health issues. Being targeted by adults in positions of great power, being harassed and assaulted by classmates whose parents are blindly devoted to these political figures, all the while trying to figure out their own physical experience, that is what gives transgender kids mental health issues. Existing in a world that suddenly hates them is what causes mental health issues. I'm tired of watching my baby hurt. I'm, with, I'm willing to withdraw with him, to sit with him as he engages with virtual schooling, and to just hold his hand as he cries some days. Because really, I am not Ruby Bridges' mother. I am Matthew's mother. And I want desperately, more than anything, for Matthew to live and to live fully, freely, and happily. If you want anything less for my son or any other transgender child in America, then you are public enemy number one in my eyes. You are no different than the white women who threw items at a six-year-old child trying to go to school. No different than the hateful women who put a black doll in a coffin and brought it up to her local schoolhouse to demonstrate to this little girl how deeply she was hated. You are no different. The progress isn't happening soon enough for our family. Since I am not Ruby Bridges' mother, I have to make decisions as Matthew's mother. 
I need to ensure Matthew will make it to adulthood mentally and psychologically whole, that he can achieve his educational goals without fear of assault or harassment, and that he has every chance to live a flourishing, healthy life as an adult. Maybe it's giving up to withdraw him from public school entirely. But for some of us, giving up is becoming our only chance at health and survival. But let's be completely transparent. If you think you're safe from government intrusion in your life, your parenting, your freedoms, then you are walking on extremely thin ice and the slippery slope may one day tilt towards your household and home and family. Maybe you'll discover that you too lack the strength to be Ruby Bridges' mom. And maybe you'll wish there were some alternative so your child could have the same uninhibited freedoms as others to be free from assault and attack. You'll wish adults weren't targeting your children for political harassment. Maybe you'll discover that your freedoms end where others begin. And maybe you'll be lucky enough to discover that without sacrificing your children's well-being. I am not Ruby Bridges' mother, but I am Matthew's. And as Matthew's mom, I hope your child never has to experience the vitriol, hatred, assumptions, and political attacks that Ruby or Matthew has experienced. Because I am a mother who believes in love, compassion, acceptance, encouragement, and the beauty of diversity. I am a mother and a veteran who believes in personal freedoms and rights. More than anything, I believe in Matthew because he is a person worthy of basic human dignity, respect, and an education just like Ruby Bridges was, just as each and every one of our children is. Um, I'm Not Ruby Bridges' Mother was the first piece that I wrote for Medium in many years. I had spent an entire school year struggling with our local school district. My son was repeatedly assaulted on public school property. He reported the incidents as he was instructed to do per the school district policy. He went to the office, reported to administrators. His reports went nowhere. When he began coming home and telling me what was happening at school, and he was sugarcoating it. (laughs) He was not being completely um, not truthful, but he was not giving me the full scope of what was happening because he was sure that I would withdraw him from school. And my son is an extreme extrovert. He is very bubbly and outgoing, and he wanted to have the same public school experience that he's seen in movies and TV. He wanted to have this experience of going to prom, going to homecoming, going to football games, having friends, hanging out. And he was struggling to even survive day to day mentally in the environment of that school. And all he wanted was to go to school and be an average normal teenager. So out of his concern that I would immediately withdraw him from school, he was not entirely forthcoming with me about the entirety of what was happening in the school building. In fact, I didn't hear the full detail of some of the assaults until the end of the school year when we were meeting with district investigators which didn't happen, by the way, until June, until after the completion of the entire school year, we were able to go meet with district investigators to discuss the incidents that happened 
within that school and the administration's response. After the district investigation, we still have gotten no follow-up. Because of all the instances of violence, harassment, and even sexual assault that happened on those public school grounds, I could not in good faith send my son back. So we mutually made the decision for him to be to, to begin going to virtual school, which academically he's done fine with, but socially he is excluded. His friends have done dress-up days at school. They send him pictures. His friend group is being great about still including him as much as they can, but it's hurtful and painful for him to watch them live out their lives in a normal public school, being normal students, and for him to not be able to access that same type of experience because the adults at that school are not protecting the trans kids that attend. So I went into writing this piece after a full school year of very frustrating experiences after speaking in front of the school board and every one of the uh, school board members looking bored, disinterested, really just ready to go home um, because the public comment was at the end of the meeting. And I can't tell you how frustrating it is to be expressing incidents, to be detailing incidents of physical and sexual assault that happened to your child and facing a panel of a dozen people that look bored, that don't register any type of emotional response. The only response that we received that evening was from the student delegate, an 18-year-old high school senior who was the student delegate to the school board, who came up to us after the meeting, expressed an apology, gave her phone number and Instagram handle to my son, and said, if you need anything, let me know. An 18-year-old child had the wherewithal, the compassion, to address that evening what we had disclosed to the school board. None of the adults in that room that sat on the school board addressed us whatsoever in any capacity. Other adults in the room who heard our statements, because I made a statement and my son made a statement, other adults in the room were horrified and came up and spoke to us afterward one of which was a pediatrician who has treated kids with gender dysphoria. And she was so supportive of us, so supportive. But the people who make the decisions and the people who are in positions of authority in this school district did nothing, absolutely nothing. A district investigation was started the week after school ended and two weeks after that last school board meeting. And I believe it was initiated more because I mentioned that we could potentially be speaking with the ACLU regarding my son's treatment. And it was only after sort of a thin threat of legal action did the Norfolk School Board decide to do an internal investigation, assigned internal investigators to this issue 
and brought us in, asked us everything that happened through the school year. That's when Matthew disclosed even more incidents that I wasn't even aware of and detailed them for the investigators. That was in June, and this is now October 6th of 2023. We've never heard another word from the Norfolk School District. We've withdrawn my son. He now goes to virtual school, which again, like I said, has its own host of issues. But when I went into writing this piece, I was in pain, he was in pain, and I was enormously frustrated that as a military veteran that I gave years of my life in service to this country to quote unquote, protect the freedom and defend the freedom of all Americans to then be in a position where my own child was not being offered the same freedoms and protections afforded to other children. And that we are being faced with decisions on how to further his education in a way that's safe, in a way that doesn't put him in imminent danger of physical harm. I encourage you to read not only this piece on Medium, but several organizations and publications, including the publication under which I published this story, Pink Hair and Pronouns. Pink Hair and Pronouns is a publication that exists to amplify the voices of parents of gender nonconforming children. We are not groomers. We are not pedophiles. We are not disfiguring our children. We are parents loving our children, loving them unconditionally. And I believe at the very heart of it, this is what hits with me. Coming from an evangelical Christian background, coming from a background where we are told that um, our God loves us and our parents love us, but there are so many conditions to that affection. Coming out of that, I wanted to give my children an environment at home where they are loved and accepted unconditionally. And I foolishly believed that we as a society were all moving in that direction, that we were going to love children unconditionally. Because as adults, I cannot tell you how many people I've met who have shared stories of being traumatized by their parents as children. And the root of that was conditions on love. And they are conditions that are put in place by religion, by conservative ideology. But when you're a part of a political movement or you listen to the words of a political movement that make you develop hatred for one of your own children, you're not doing something right. I encourage everyone who has questions about what it is to raise a transgender child, to do research and to read the words and accounts of parents who are raising trans kids in this environment. And you have to ask yourself why a parent would persist in getting medical treatment for their child in an environment like this, where they know that they and their child will be targeted for harassment. What would make 
thousands and thousands of parents continue to seek out gender-affirming care for their children, to continue to support their child through a transition. If those parents don't fundamentally and fervently believe that they are doing what's best to support their child's holistic well-being, that is physical, that is mental, that is emotional. Why would an entire swath of the population put our children and ourselves on the chopping block for harassment, assault, judgment, if we weren't doing what we believed was best for our kids? I encourage you to get out of your box. I encourage you to read words written by the parents of trans kids, to take them deeply into consideration, to consider a world in which all children can be loved without condition, in a world in which all children can attend their local school without fear of violence. And in attending their local public school, they can entrust that the adults within that building, the adults who are being paid to teach them, to keep them safe, and to run an orderly school are doing just that and that they have the best interest of each and every child in the building in mind and they don't engage in intentional exclusionary practices which overlook the abuse and mistreatment of transgender kids of any LGBT kids that are within their care. I'm not Ruby Bridges mother. I can't imagine what it took for that woman to watch her child walk through those people day after day after day and watch with her own eyes as her child was so viciously verbally assaulted and even physically assaulted as grown adults threw items at this six-year-old child. I also cannot fathom being the women on the other side. I can't fathom throwing something at a six-year-old child. I can't fathom bringing a baby doll in a coffin and displaying it to a six-year-old child while calling her a slur. I can't wrap my brain around it. I can't wrap my brain around anyone who supports and uplifts that kind of behavior and who condones it at all. I want to believe that the future is better. I want to believe that in the future, we can all band together to raise children in a holistically healthy environment in which they are individually loved, nurtured, protected, and edified by the presence of the public school system. But that is not what's happening today in America at all. All nature of LGBT kids are being targeted, harassed, assaulted, and they are doing all of that without the protection of the adults in their public school building who are either turning a blind eye or outright blaming them for their own abuse. I deeply encourage you to not just read my piece, hop on Medium, head over to Pink Hair and Pronouns, and take into account all the words of all the parents who have written there. I deeply encourage you to stop. Stop with the political rhetoric. 
Stop repeating catchphrases that you've heard. Stop repeating words like groomer and pedophile to describe any LGBT individual or any parent of an LGBT child who is simply trying to love their child unconditionally and raise them the best way they know how in an extremely turbulent environment. I appreciate everyone who's come on to Medium and supported my work. I've really been blown away by the sheer amount of support that I've gotten. And I encourage you to continue to follow me as well as all the other extraordinarily talented writers on Medium. Aside from the topic of my piece that I've read today, the topic of freelance writing and its state in our current society is always top of my mind. It's difficult. It's really difficult to be a freelance writer. It's difficult to not only find the time to write and write quality works, it's difficult to compete in a world that's day by day becoming increasingly infiltrated by AI. I write nothing with AI. Nothing I write is assisted or supplemented by any sort of artificial technology. What you read is my words, 100%. So I encourage you to also look at where you're receiving your information. Who are you supporting? Are you supporting actual human writers who are developing content and writing content from our very hearts, from our life experiences, because we're sharing what no AI ever could. Sharing our lived experiences is what makes our voices so unique as freelance writers. AI does not have personal experiences to draw from. AI can never write or express the experience of humanity. So I encourage you to not only support me, but go on Medium. Five bucks a month gets you access to thousands of excellent writers that are writing from the heart. And if you want to tap in to humanity, if you want to tap in to the emotional core of what's going on in America right now, that's where you find it. You find it in content creators who are writing from the heart, who are writing authentically, or creating videos, whatever their medium is. Support human creators. And yes, you do have to pay for that. Medium is five bucks a month, $5 a month. I can't even get my order at Starbucks for five bucks, but maybe I'm just bougie. But I can't stress enough how important it is to support human creators. Whether you do that on a site like Medium that is more the written word, if you support video creators on Patreon or YouTube even, I just encourage you to seek out humans speaking with human voices. This is the biggest way that we're going to combat AI is humans seeking out human voices. In that vein, thank you for listening. Thank you for reading, and I hope you'll tune in again.